The scripture for today's sermon comes from Mark 8, verses 22 through 33. The word of God speaks to us like this. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men. They look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And some others say, One of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. This is the very word of God to us. Well, good morning. It is good to turn around and see everybody, even uh, on this Sunday where we get to, to step into another section of Mark. We've been in this for a little bit. My name is Chad. I uh, get to serve as pastor here in Yukon, and it, it would be an honor if I haven't actually met you to get to meet you. I've been in a number of your homes, of businesses, and, and just opportunities with many of you. I've, had, I've sat down for coffee or or lunch, or something, but if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I want you to hear what we say again and again, we really do mean, is that I, w- I would be honored to have that. We also want to be people who uh, meet and love, serve our city. We want to do all those things. We want to meet our city, truly. We want to know what's going on around here. We want to love our city, and we want to serve our city, and, and we, we think that God is giving us real opportunities with that. As mentioned, as you have heard and will hear in the future, like we, we actually got a building here on the block. We've been praying for what that looked like, and it is just between 4th and 5th, right down the street. So if you, if you aren't even familiar with 4th and 5th there, that's okay. Uh, think the main street of Yukon. That's where we are. And if you were to say, what would be the front porch of this? That is what God has graciously given us. So praise God. We have an opportunity actually to meet our city as we prepare this place, as we, we look for all the things that have to be done to get this building ready to serve and open the doors to those in our city. But we have an opportunity right before us this week to meet our city and to really be present on this block. And that's the Chuck Fest. So we've got this big parade coming for our city. They will close down 4th through 6th Street of Main Street. And it will be a real party where literally thousands upon thousands of people will show up on Saturday. And we want to be right there. We want to be uh, the front porch. We want to be loving these people and serving and meeting people around it. And it would be a great opportunity for you to join us in it. 
This isn't a meet and greet at the building. This is a, a, an invitation for you to lock arms with us, at loving our city and being a part with us. So I hope that you would step into that with us uh, just here on Saturday and in the days ahead. There's more to be said around the building. There's more to be said about what God's doing in us and through us. But let's just stop right here. And I want to pray for you. I want you to pray for me. And let's, let's join in asking God to help us come to him this morning. Not to come to a service, not to come to some religious act that we're, we're trying to do, but to come to Jesus this morning. Father, we need you. You are good and gracious. Let it not be a cliche that you so love the world that you sent your son. Help us to see Jesus this morning. Help us to see clearly this Jesus who has made a way, who is making a way in our life, and who is at work. And so, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Tune our hearts. Give us new eyes to see. We, we don't need help. We need a Savior. And so let us experience that today. And we pray these things for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, while we jump in, let me, throw, let me throw this out. Maybe you have seen or read about this story. I came across it recently. Again, I was going through some old notes that I had, and I came across this story. It's of a 35-year-old woman. Keep that in the back of your head. So when you're kind of painting the picture in your head, think about this. This woman is 35 years old. I would consider that adult. I would consider that wise in some ways. Some of you in here are like, that's old or something like Others in here are like, that's young, I, they, whatever. We're going to just give this woman the benefit of the doubt that she is adult, okay? So we, we think certain things go along with this. 35-year-old woman is driving down the street, and as happens from time to time, she sees in her car, I, I mean, I don't know if it from time to time for her, but for us, sometimes this happens. Like, she's driving down the street in her car, a spider crawls out, and what happens from 35-year-old adult woman? She literally freaks out and jumps out of a moving car. Yeah, exactly. And I bring this up for a real reason. I bring this up not just because I laughed way too hard at this. I, I thought about all that could happen. And then I got sober-minded a little bit and was like, oh, someone could have really gotten hurt through that. And then I laughed again afterwards thinking about it. I bring this up because what happens is sometimes if we lose perspective, if we're not seeing clearly into things, like little creatures become big things. And, and what, we, what is just a tiny little insect, or someone's going to be like, no, it's an arachnid chat or all these things. Like, uh, some little bitty thing turns into a monster and we freak out and lose our minds. Which sets up our text pretty well for us. Like this is actually where we find ourselves in this is if we're not seeing things, seeing things clearly, then we lose perspective and we might actually react in ways that aren't healthy, helpful, or even balanced in any way. 
And so if you've been with us, you know that we've been in Mark for a little bit. Last week, we, we were talking through this uh, miraculous feeding, another miraculous feeding. And we were talking through signs. And the Pharisees showed up, and they were looking for signs. And then the disciples were there. And remember, they forgot the bread. If you weren't here, you can listen to it. They're all online. Download it from wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, listen to those. It, it really is worth your time to sit and take this long walk through Mark with us. But they were, they were looking for signs or for crumbs, and, and yet the, the real sign, the ultimate sign, the one that all the signs are pointing to was right in front of them. The satisfier of all things was right there with them, and, and, and Jesus was right before them, and they missed him. And as we've been walking through this book, we've, we've tried to make it clear that it's broken into two parts. And there's this first part, which is healings and stories and miracles and, and, and God miraculously working. We, we see this, this king has come who has authority over all things, wind, wave, disease, demons even. This king has come. And then the second part shifts. And we have, with clarity, this king is Jesus. This king is Jesus the Christ who has come, and yet he's not at all what they expect. So the first half there are all these stories, and the second half is this relentless march to the cross, in which the next half of the book is a real leading to the sacrificial work of Jesus, and we don't want to miss it. This text right here where we're at today is the hinge it's the hinge where all of the, the two parts meet. It it's really is a bridge for us. It is a hinge on a door, which is just making this together, brings it. And in, in the hinge itself has this weird, strange, even bizarre healing attached to it. And we get this. We want to kind of walk this out in two ways. And so... If you think all pastors have three points, I really just have two today. Uh, I have seeing, there, there's an aspect of seeing, and there's an aspect of clarity. And those are kind of our two guideposts for it today. We're going to walk through seeing, and then we're going to walk through what clarity looks like, because those are two different things, and, and they don't always go together. And I hope that what we see is that oftentimes in, in the life of a believer, we miss it. We don't always see with clarity what is right in front of us. And so pick it up with me. We're in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and we're going to read through this together. And I'm going to move, I'm going to just keep moving in and out of the text and just trying to add some color to it. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Friends, that is weird. It is weird. If you don't read it and recognize that Jesus spitting on someone's eyes is a strange thing, then you, you haven't actually read it and caught on what's happening. This is a very bizarre thing. And then it gets it gets even stranger because what we typically see in the healings that we've read through is Jesus pronouncing, be healed. But that's not what is said here. 
That's not what it said. He actually asks the guy. He, he turns to him and he says, do you see anything? Which I think is really insightful for us. Again, you saw that. I said insightful. It, it's really something for us right here. He, he asks, do you see anything? Notice the response. Verse 24. And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Did you catch that? Blind man can now see, but not with clarity. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So, again, just kind of catch the scene. Jesus doesn't say, be healed. He says, do you see anything? And the guy is like, sort of. I see trees, I see people that look like trees, and they're walking around. We've got this weird thing that, that is coming out in this. Jesus lays his hands again, which if, if you're playing like the home game, this is the only time you're going to read in the Gospels about Jesus doing it again. This is, the, this is the again that we get. This is the only time. It should clue us in that something is happening. Something more is going on. Mark is trying to get to something, and, and he is putting this here, in this place, in this way, and, and he's trying to get our attention to see something. And then we get that the man's eyesight is fully restored and that he sees clearly. That matters for us. Let me just give a quick aside on healings. We pray every single week after the service. We invite people to pray and, and asking God. We're inviting uh, God to work and his spirit to move. And, and listen, in this church, right here, in our tiny church plant, we have seen God miraculously rescue a man. We have seen God's healing work in a man's life who is asking for prayer. We've also prayed and not had that immediately answered. We've prayed and prayed. And one of the things that we see in this text is, is don't stop praying. Sometimes God answers those prayers directly and in the moment. And at other times, he does it in his timeline. We saw that as we read through the healing of Jairus' daughter a few weeks ago. On, on his timeline and for his purposes. But what I want to put my finger on is just because it doesn't happen immediately doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And so don't stop praying. If you're carrying something, if you've been walking in things for a while, please don't give up on God and don't stop asking for God to miraculously work in your life. But this story is not really about healing. It's about seeing. And so I, I want us to kind of put uh, our gaze right there to catch that this is about seeing and again and again what we've read through the text is people standing before Jesus with uh, at least physical eyes that were working, but not seeing clearly what was happening. And some people just aren't seeing at all. They just see a man, and they're just standing there, and they're not seeing anything. But this shows us something. This text is putting its finger on something that we need to, to get. The disciples, even just in our last chapter, the disciples have been just like this blind man. And so have we. 
in many ways, we're just like this guy. We walk around in, in much of it, with Jesus right in front of us, but not really seeing him. And so it is by God's grace, through his kindness, and through the work of Jesus, that this man's sight was restored, was given to him. And, and it wasn't just that he saw trees walking around. It's that he saw Jesus clearly. And it's a living parable for us as well. Anyone who's ever needed glasses, anyone who's ever needed a prescription change recognizes what that is. That you can see. I wear contacts I have for as long as I can remember worn glasses or contacts. And I can see without them, but nothing's clear. I... I can see, but nothing's, nothing is, is sharp in that. A few months ago, we had to change my prescription because I'm a man of a certain age. How about that? And it wasn't quite right, and so I could see. I, I was functional, but reading was something difficult, right? So if you've ever experienced that, like you recognize like it's one thing to see. It's another thing to have clarity. And we think about this, and so... You may see, or maybe you think you see, but what I, I want to ask is, are you seeing clearly? You may see Jesus, but are you seeing Jesus clearly in this? Pick it up with me in verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and the others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he, Jesus, asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, and of course it's Peter, right? Of course it's Peter. Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Essentially what, essentially what Jesus is asking is like, when you look at me, when, when, when I'm standing here with you disciples, what do you see? If you were here today, I think you would say to a group of people who live in the West, a group of people who are in some part of the Bible belt, maybe not the buckle, but part of the belt. Like you're, you're around all sorts of religious talk. You know things about Jesus. But when you look at Jesus, what do you see? And we should just say this because Peter is a punching bag through a lot of our text. And, and it's easy for us to be like, oh, that's just Peter being Peter again. Peter gets it right. Peter gets it right. He gets the right answer to the question. He, he names something that's really important. You are the Christ. And that means something. Those words actually are packed with meaning. Sometimes it's described. I lost my word in there. It's translated Messiah or anointed one, meaning this one who is set apart from God. Listen, Lincoln can come up here and we'll pray right now for him. We will take it. We will pray. And so, like, we can have these moments, like, we can know things, right? You can say, this is the Messiah, this is the anointed one of God. But in this moment, in this place, in this culture, that phrase, Christ, had taken on some, some other meanings as well. That phrase had taken on this idea for the religious people of the one who was coming who would kick out the Romans, 
would stop the oppression, would bring back everything that's right. It was a real political, it was a real political phrase that was happening. And so Peter gives the right answer, but we see as this moves forward that he might not have understood all of it. But this is this space where it gets really personal for us, right? Because we're, we're people who live in a certain culture. We're in a, a, a place where it's just the facts. Just give me the facts. You, you might have, be in school or remember school. Uh, it might be something recent or a little ways. But, like, I remember just, like, give me what's on the test, just tell me what's on the test. I'll memorize those things. I don't care about the Krebs cycle or all this other stuff. Just give me what's on the test. And so we teach to the test, right? You go to ACT prep class, and they teach you towards these things. It, 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 we, we tend to want just the facts, and we can recite the facts about Jesus without really seeing Jesus. And this gets super personal for us. Maybe a crude way of saying it, maybe just to get to the nuts and bolts of this, is know right and do right. We operate with this mentality of, like, if I just know enough stuff, then I'll do the right thing. Except we know from experience that that's not true. Again and again, I choose the cheeseburger. We know a lot of things. But that doesn't necessarily lead to doing the right things. And often what we find is that that knowledge, we might know how to pass the test, but not necessarily what's going on in here. For many of us, church, faith, religion was about a behavior change and has been about a behavior change. And maybe this morning it still is for you. And if that's the case, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to say that maybe you, you see things you see even Jesus, but not Jesus clearly. Maybe you could pass a test about Jesus while still not actually knowing this Jesus. We see things, but we don't necessarily experience them. And let me just say this. There are definitely things that need to change. I'm not dismissing behavior change. <laughs> there are definitely things that need to change. There are things to avoid. There are things for us to like actually keep from our lives that will hurt us. There are definitely things that need to be done. Like reading your Bible is actually a really good thing, but not as a task that has to be checked off as a, a way, a means of knowing God and who he is, and how he's revealed himself. Prayer is actually a blessing, but not as a, a duty that has to be fulfilled. It's actually a, a way in which we're, we're having this supernatural experience with the living God. And, and let's be honest, it doesn't always feel that way. And so there are, there are things to be done. There are behaviors that we want in our life. Community is another one of those. Like, uh, we believe that community in our life, that how we walk out community, the one another's, is incredibly important. And we're only going to grow so much if we're not connected to other people. But if all we're doing is going on a certain night of a week to someone's house for a community and then leaving and not ever like leaning in and walking that out, it's, 
it's missing the point. It's seeing something without seeing it with clarity. And so you can have a lot of behaviors without having your heart attached to this. And we can, we can have even Christian behaviors without our hearts being in this. It might be helpful at this point to to define or, or to tell a little bit about Caesarea Philippi because this place is really important and it is part of the picture. It's part of what you're supposed to see. It's part of what you're supposed to get and, and recognize that it's as much a part of this parable and, and story. It's as much a part of the message that Mark is communicating as this blind man is. Caesarea Philippi is north, like way north. Jerusalem, the center of, of all of this, is in the south. Then you have the Sea of Galilee, which is a ways up further north from there. Bethsaida is at the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And then 25 more miles by foot, you have Mount Hermon in Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi is not like this destination land where everyone's going to have a great retreat and everything. Caesarea Philippi is the place where your parents, if they love you, are like, hey, don't go hang out over there. Nothing good happens in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is the, the center of all this like uh, fertility worship. And, all, and they're worshiping Pan, this other god. It, it's the center, this place where one of the other gospels refers to it as the gates of hell. And so there's all this spiritual activity in Caesarea Philippi, way off the beaten path. It is the inverse of what Jerusalem is. It's like anything goes out here in this place where God is not on the throne. We call it the gates of hell. And now Jesus is leading them here. And on the way, he says, who do you guys say I am? You see, this is the hinge right here. This is that turning point between part one and part two. You've seen all these things, and, and yet, who do you say I am? Peter gets the test question right, but doesn't quite see everything. Notice what's going on. We have this gates of hell. We have Jesus on mission, literally to this mountain where he's making a statement and he's making, uh, he's standing in this like tangible picture of saying the gates of hell are not even here. I am on mission to seek and say, notice what he says in verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. He must suffer. Here's what's ahead. And he's speaking with clarity. Verse 32, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Full stop. Jesus speaks his mission. He's speaking plainly and clearly. Peter, who just got the test question right, now is actually not seeing why Jesus is even here. He takes him aside and he began to rebuke him. I, I love that it doesn't say he spent 10 minutes rebuking him. It just says he began to. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He, Jesus, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, 
but on the things of man. Peter, in effect, Peter, in effect, says, no, that's not how it's going to go, Jesus. Like, you're here, and we're glad you're here. This is awesome. This is crazy. You are bringing bread like a madman. Like, you're doing all sorts of stuff. That's not how it's going to happen. We're going to keep you safe. Like, we're going to be right here with you. And later on, we see Peter, he's going to pull out a sword when things start getting dangerous. You know, we have these moments where Peter just, he's not seeing clearly. And here's the mistake. Here's, here's the mistake that's happening. Here's where he gets it wrong, and here's where we get it wrong. Peter doesn't quite understand. Jesus is not in need of rescue. He's the one who provides it. Jesus is not in danger. And this is the king right before Peter, the king of kings, right before Peter. Who, Peter, who got the question right, but doesn't quite understand the mission that's right there. And, and friends, just as you're literally, as, as a friend, as your pastor, as, as a father, and as a, a, a husband and man trying to walk with Jesus in this place, this is exactly where I get it wrong, and I, I, I guess that you guys do as well. Is that we come to Jesus in all these other ways. We come to Jesus as genie. We come to Jesus as gift giver. We come to Jesus as nice moral teacher. We come to Jesus who has some things to say to give us a, a nicer life. We could recite some facts but miss what he's here to do. And what he's doing. And the question that I keep coming back to is, like, it's easy for me to beat myself up. It's easy for me to beat myself up and say, oh, man, I got it wrong again. I just saw this, saw this uh, without clarity. It, it, it's harder for me to think, well, why did I get it wrong again? What's the itch that I keep trying to scratch? What's, what is that itch that I keep going to when I would much rather have Jesus as nice buddy and not king of kings? What's the itch in your life that you keep running back to in which we, we try to take Jesus off the throne and he says, wrong. We keep approaching Jesus as a nice guy and, and not as king. I'll tell you, this is, easy to, this is easy for us to do. Maybe easier than you give it credit for because most of us reduce and say, well, I'm not doing one of these five sins. And so I guess I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm not really, I'm not really doing one of these things that will quite clearly blow up my life. And yet I, I would venture to say that we're, we're all far more sinful than we think we are. Friends, let me give you a couple examples of how we see without real clarity. We, we throw this out. And we, we run to Bible study just to, just to check that list. We, we run to others just to impress them with our spirituality. We, we sit and we do something just to feel better about ourselves or, or to make sure that, that someone in our life would know that I read or I prayed or I did X or Y today, uh, but not really for intimacy with Jesus. Ultimately, our problem, our problem is sin. So we come to Jesus 
to fix something instead of to be king and Lord of our lives. And just as clearly as he tells Peter, he would tell us, that's not what I'm here for. When we see things wrong, when we see without clarity, when we come to church again and again to, to actually clean ourselves up and not let Jesus wash us, we actually have this distortion, like wearing the wrong prescriptions. We have this distortion that leads to some long-term problems. We start to, to treat Jesus as taskmaster, as test giver, instead of, of, of lover and, and one who brings healing and hope. We actually uh, come and, and miss that he is brother and instead see him as boss. Instead of having this friend who walks alongside of us and, and actually by his spirit is at work inside of us, we turn Jesus from friend to foe. And the good gifts that he's given us, we turn into obligations which become burdensome and heavy. Instead of being the one that we should run to, it's the one that we run from. And we even get it twisted up if, we, if we're coming to Jesus just to give us stuff. If we're coming to Jesus where we don't see him clearly, we, we even get to the point where we would stop and say, no, Jesus, that's not what I need for my life. Let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what I need. And just like Peter, we miss the point. But our hope, our hope, real hope is found in seeing Jesus clearly for who he is. This king who changes everything. The one who doesn't just give us new prescription, but gives us new eyes. The one who doesn't just like make us feel better, but makes us alive maybe for the first time. The one who changes everything. And as long as our, our focus is on just being better and just doing better and just knowing the right facts, as long as our focus is on cleaning up ourselves, then we actually miss all of it. And our perspective gets so off that we think spiders are monsters that can really mess us up. We make irrational decisions to jump out of moving cars and we end up going crazy over little things. Friends, sp the spider is not what should rule your life. This king who the Bible says is a lion is the one who should rule your life. This king who the Bible describes as a lion who is also a lamb is the one who should have your full attention, who should have your full gaze and the one that we should be looking at again and again, not as just our buddy, but as the one who uh, brings us hope and healing, who doesn't just fix a prescription but gives you new eyes. If we only come to Jesus through facts, and we only try to do our best to know right and do right, then we will know this lion in his judgment. But to see this Jesus clearly and to turn to him and say, you are my only hope, you are the only thing I have, is to meet this Jesus with his lamb-like tenderness. 
But what we see through all of Scripture, what we see again and again, is that this Jesus will not be neutral with us. We will meet him as lion, or we will meet him as lamb. But there's no need for you to be concerned over spiders in your life. Friends, what we need, what, what Peter needed, what you and I need and what Peter got and what we can find is to see clearly this Jesus, this king who suffered, this king who, who, who died, was buried, and rose again. I pray that you would see this morning your sin. Our sin of just coming to, to Jesus as nice guy and not as king. I pray that you would see all, all the, the longings, those itches that, that lead us back to something else. I pray that you would, you would sense your need and see the need that you have in your life. And ultimately, my prayer is that you would see your Savior who is right there for you, who is offering all of it in abundance to you. Will you pray with me?